If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 669. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. If you are watching at YouTube, click on that super thanks button underneath this video. You can throw a few pennies my way that way. Of course, a great way to support the show is go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll, and you get great deals on new and forthcoming courses. If you're on my email list and you get on that email list by enrolling or by going to BrianMcClanahan.com, that's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com, give me an email address there. And you get on that email list. You also get a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can also support the show at brianmcclanahan.com by clicking on the support tab. You can also click on the shop tab, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Send me those show requests. I like to hear what you want to hear. And today actually is a listener-generated episode in a way. Somebody sent me a, or I get this a lot actually, but um, just recently somebody sent me an email saying, hey, look, watch this video because it shows you how bad American education has gotten. People don't, don't believe that people are being educated properly in the United States anymore. And my response to that is that, no, I think they're being educated precisely the way the state wants you to be educated. And this is a long-standing issue in America. In fact, at McClanahan Academy, I have a course reading Abraham Lincoln. And in that course... I start with a speech Lincoln made in 1838. It's called the Lyceum Address. And in that particular speech, he talks about uh, the future of America and what Americans need, and that would be a civic education that borders on religious fanaticism. Lincoln essentially wanted to make government a secular religion. Now, he wasn't unique in this. He wasn't the first one to say this. And this idea of nationalizing education and teaching Americans the proper way to think about the United States is something that's been going on for a very long period of time. In fact, essentially what we have in American schools today is a nationalist curriculum. And it's a nationalist progressive curriculum. Kids are being taught exactly what the progressives want them to learn. When you say that they're not being taught properly, the progressives would say they are being taught properly. And the context of the video was somebody was walking around with a Confederate flag and he was being harassed for this. But um, that's exactly what the progressive left wants you to get out of education. They, they want you to have this nationalist American myth, this righteous cause myth. That would be the myth that would bind America together. This And, and it's funny to me, that lefties run around thinking that they're getting persecuted somehow in schools or universities or whatever it is. These people dominate everything. I've talked about this on this podcast so many times. These people dominate everything, and they do dominate the way curriculum is being written. Even if you look at the 1776 Commission Report, it's the same thing. You have a bunch of conservatives who have written a report that now has been scrapped by the Biden administration, but this report essentially says that we have to teach Americans the civic religion 
And part of that is this proposition nation myth that all men are created equal. And that's what the United States is founded on, this one line. Now, I spent a lot of time talking about the founding generation and the founding fathers, so so-called, and, and what that group really wanted out of the Constitution. And to a man, most of them would have believed in uh, decentralization, at least to a point. Most of them would have thought the states were essential in the government. But there were those who did not. There were nationalists in that group. There were people in that group that did not want the states to have really any powers whatsoever. And a lot of these people were found in Pennsylvania. One of the more famous or infamous is James Wilson, James de Caledonia of Pennsylvania, the Scotsman who uh, was um, very much a nationalist. In fact, James de Caledonia, James Wilson, James Wilson later wrote his own version of the Declaration of Independence because, see, what he did is he took out the state designations and just listed everybody as, as individuals, and that's how the Declaration was signed and voted on. But we all know the states voted on the Declaration. But you had other nationalists in Pennsylvania. I mean, you could say that Franklin was to a point. You could say John Dickinson was to a point. But there was also Benjamin Rush. Benjamin Rush signed the Declaration of Independence. Benjamin Rush was also a much more progressive individual than just about anybody in the founding generation, save Thomas Paine. Tom Paine also from Pennsylvania. You see, Pennsylvania was this interesting state when it came to these reformers. Rush was a reformer. He also uh, said some pretty racist things in his life. But in fact, it was his students who really created biological racism in the United States. But anyways, Rush also uh, believed in what was called the American Enlightenment. He was a leftist during that period of time. And in 1787, when some people in the founding generation thought the Articles of Confederation were not working. We needed something else. Benjamin Rush was quick to jump on that bandwagon. And Benjamin Rush wrote in 1787 a pamphlet to be distributed among the people of the states. And I'm going to read part of that pamphlet because this gets into American education. In fact, what Benjamin Rush wanted more than anything else was the creation of a centralized American education institution. He wanted an American university. He wanted something that would teach people the proper way to think about the American founding, the proper way to think about American society, the proper way to think about the American War for Independence, the proper way to think about American government. You can see a lot of Benjamin Rush and Abraham Lincoln. In fact, Lincoln is, a, is an interesting character study. A lot of people say Lincoln was a Federalist, and in terms of economics, he was. But he was Henry Clay. He was Henry Clay light. Henry Clay was a national Republican. Henry Clay mixed Hamilton and Jefferson together in a lot of ways. And in fact, this is what Herbert Crowley in the late 19th, early 20th century wanted to do. This is, this is American progressivism. American progressivism, uh, in terms of an ideology, is a mix of Hamilton and Jefferson. Hamilton, with his very active central government and government doing things that government needs to do in his mind. But Jefferson in this very much decentralized or, you know, people first kind of thing, not not decentralized, but the people, you know, dem democracy and the democratic order. And that's really what you get out of Lincoln. Lincoln wanted centralized power, right? But he said he believed in, in government of the people, by the people and for the people, even though he really didn't because he was opposed to secession. But 
that's what Lincoln was saying. And Henry Clay was kind of the same thing, this Western man. In fact, what you can see in some of this is kind of a Western strain as, as America moves west. Now, Benjamin, Benjamin Rush was actually against American expansion. And I was, I'm going to go through this pamphlet and hit a couple of highlights in this thing. I don't, it's not a long pamphlet. Um, but I want to talk about some of the things he says here. Rush was against American expansion. He thought that was a bad idea until the states became essentially full. Then you could expand west. He thought it was a, a dangerous to keep expanding west because it, it essentially created more democracy in some ways. But Rush was not a Democrat. Um, so he would be a little bit you know, different from Lincoln or Jefferson in this way. He was much more of an elitist, but certainly a reformer. And um, the reforms were education and medicine and societal reforms. And you could say Jefferson was willing to do the same thing in, in Virginia, though Jefferson's vision stopped at Virginia. He didn't really think that we needed to have reforms all throughout the United States that were directed from the center, whereas Benjamin Rush really did. Now, American education is a whole other thing. John Adams, John Quincy Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Rush. I mean, there's all kinds of people that talked about some type of educational reform in America. Jefferson was much more interested in Virginia itself, even though he dabbled with this idea of a national university. What he got was the University of Virginia, which was supposed to teach the proper principles of American government, separated from what he called the dark Federalist mills of the North. He didn't want people to learn federalism. What... What I'm getting at, though, is that what Rush wanted is what we've gotten in American education. What Lincoln wanted is what we've gotten in American education. Kids in America in the institutionalized schools, whether they're public or private, are being taught exactly what the progressive left wants you to learn. So this is why it takes effort to unlearn these things and do things a little different. It takes effort to go out and read things that are contrary to what you're going to get in the secular public schools, and it's not, not just has to do with religion, but this government-sponsored secular religion, which is government, right? So they teach you the proper catechism, the proper understanding of American government, which is a religion. So this, this is why Russia is so important in this and, and why I want to go over this thing. But the title is Address to the People of the United States, 1787. That's it. And it's written by Benjamin Rush, MD, medical doctor. So he says, this first paragraph is so interesting to me. He says, quote, There is nothing more common than to confound the terms of American Revolution with those of the late American War. So they're not the same, he says. We have the war, and then we have the American Revolution. The American War is over. But this is far from being the case with the American Revolution. Now, he's writing this in 1787, just four years after the war ended. The war is over, but the revolution continues. Now, this is, this is really interesting. Rush saw the, this period of time as a social revolution as well as a war for independence. That puts them as an outlier. I mean, a lot of people thought the war was what it was, and we kept the status quo. But Rush is arguing, no, 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 no. We need to have a perpetual war. This is the American Enlightenment, and we need to change society. Now, we've done too much changing on some things, he's going to argue, but not enough in other areas. 
He says, on the contrary, nothing but the great drama is closed. It remains yet to establish and perfect our new forms of government and to prepare the principles, morals, and manners of our citizens for these forms of government after they are established and brought to perfection. Now, only progressives talk like this. We're going to perfect these things. We're going to make society become perfect. That's how progressives speak. They have to perfect their new forms of government and prepare the principles, morals, and manners of our citizens for these forms of government after they are established and brought to perfection. Government needs to have a... We need to have a perfect government. Now... This is before the Constitution has been written in Philadelphia and how after it has been sent to the states yet or anything. And Rush was a firm proponent of the Constitution once it was sent to the states for ratification. Now, listen to what he says about what happened after the war. He says, quote, The Confederation, together with most of our state constitutions, was formed under very unfavorable circumstances. We had just emerged from a corrupted monarchy. Although we understood perfectly the principles of liberty Yet most of us were ignorant of the forms and combinations of power in republics. Add to this, the British army was in the heart of our country, spreading desolation wherever it went. Our resentments, of course, were awakened. We detested the British name and unfortunately refused to, com to copy some things in the administration of justice and power in the British government, which have made it the envy and admiration of the world. Now, he sounds a lot like Hamilton there. Hamilton would say, look, we need to, we need to copy the stuff from great. We, can, we don't need to get rid of it. It's the corruption that makes it great. The British Constitution is good because of corruption. And we didn't do enough copying. Hamilton was an Anglophile. Rush is, uh, is positioning himself here as an Anglophile, though with a very kind of French revolutionary spirit with it. And he, Rush is kind of a, of a you know, hybrid of some of these things. In our opposition to monarchy, we forgot that the temple of tyranny has two doors. We bolted one of them by the proper restraints, but we left the other open by neglecting to guard against the effects of our own ignorance and licentiousness. Most of the present difficulties of this country arise from the weakness and other defects of our governments. Government's the problem. There's defects of government. We need more centralization. We need more power in these governments. They're not powerful enough. He says, my business at present shall only be to suggest the defects of the Confederation. These consist, first, in the deficiency of coercive power. Second, in a defect of exclusive power to issue paper money and regulate commerce. Third, investing the sovereign power of the United States in a single legislature. And fourth, in the too frequent rotation of its members. So to Benjamin Rush, these are the problems that need to be addressed. The central power is too weak. And this is why he's advocating the calling of convention to deal with the Articles of Confederation. That's ostensibly what this thing is all about, at least on the surface. But he gives you some things in this essay where he's going to say, well, this is how we make sure that all of these things we're trying to do, which he talks about what needs to happen with the government, stay in place. And that comes down to education. Everybody recognized this. Education was the key. You teach the children to worship the state. You teach the children to worship this American order, exactly the way to describe it. Nowadays, it's Lincolnian nationalism, 
righteous cause, myth-making. You teach them that, and that's what they become. American education is working precisely the way the progressive left drew it up. It's not broken. To them, it works perfectly. It's designed this way. Once you centralize in the Department of Education, and once they create all these limits and parameters and everything else you have to do, and once you create... And, and Biden's talked about this, right? Florida pushing back. Well, Biden's going to make, you know, he's going to issue executive order. You have to do this, 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 and this. Once you do that, then all these school systems will try to comply because they want the federal money. And now you've centralized education. And of course, when you look at things like, again, the 1776 Commission Report or in South Carolina where the legislature passed a bill saying you have to teach the founding documents in the school. Okay, we'll teach it. Americans, founding fathers are all sexist, racist bigots. We're going to teach it. We're going to teach it as an abuse of the American order. So they're teaching it. And see, this is the natural progression from things Benjamin Rush is talking about here. If you have a proposition nation, and that's what you're going to, some kind of centralized agenda, this idea of what the, the, the American Enlightenment was, you're naturally going to get to that. And people are going to critique Benjamin Rush. They're going to do it. So he talks about uh, the money, right? He says that there's a problem with the currency. We need to centralize control of the currency in the Congress. And he says that's the biggest problem right now. We have a, we have a financial crisis in the United States. And he gets into some of the things about electing people to Congress and, and how this has happened. We, we need to have uh, a, a bicameral legislature rather than a unicameral legislature. Um, he calls, this is interesting, let me read that part. He says, the last two defects that have been mentioned are not of less magnitude than the first. Indeed, the single legislature of Congress will become more dangerous from an increase of power than ever. To remedy this, let the supreme federal power be divided, like the legislatures of most of our states, into two distinct independent branches. Let one of them be styled the Council of the States and the other the Assembly of the States. Let the first consist of a single delegate, and the second of two, three, or four delegates chosen annually by each state. Let the president be chosen annually by the joint battle to both houses, and let him possess certain powers in conjunction with the Privy Council, especially the power of appointing most of the officers of the United States. The officers of the United States, the officers will not only be better when appointed in this way, but one of the principal causes of faction will be thereby removed from Congress. I apprehend this division of the power of Congress will become more necessary as soon as they are invested with more ample powers of levying and expending the public money. So this is actually interesting. Even though Rush is a nationalist, he's actually saying the states need to still be involved in this process. They need a council and, a, and a, a council of the states and an assembly of the states. <laughs> but the states are still part of this, though he does think the states are too powerful. He does talk about sovereignty, which I find interesting. And again, this is where you get nationalism taking hold of government and of education. It has to be taught that, this, that the center has to have the most power. And he says it here. He says, it is often said that the, quote, sovereign and all of the power is seated in the people. This idea is unhappily expressed. It should be all power is derived from the people, from the people. They possess it only on the days of their elections. After this, it is the propriety of their rulers, nor can they exercise or resume it unless it be abused. It is of importance to circulate this idea as it leads to 
order and good government. It's important to circulate this idea. How do you do that? Through education. And that's what Russia is going to get into in a minute. Well, we have this idea. This is important. We have to understand what uh, all power is not seated in the people. It's from the people. Power is derived from the people, not in the people. And they can't exercise that power unless they're voting or unless government's abusing power. That's the only time they can resume that power. That's it. And then he says, the people of America have mistaken the meaning of the word sovereignty. Hence, each state pretends to be sovereign. Pretends to be sovereign. In Europe, it is applied only to those states which possess the power of making war and peace or of forming treaties and the like. And this power belongs only to Congress. They are the only sovereign power in the United States. Now, this is interesting because Rush signed the declaration and Jefferson used it because he said states can do all other things which independent states may of right do, which is conclude alliances, you know, declare, they can do all these things, right? These 13 independent states could do all of that. But Russia is saying because we formed a central government now, the states lost all that. They're not sovereign anymore. The central authority is sovereign. This is where you get this debate in 1788 and 1789 when Madison comes up with this idea of dual sovereignty. The general government's sovereign here, but the states are sovereign here. Well, you can't really do that. I think Russia is actually cutting the heart of the matter here. You got to have one sovereign or none or another. I mean, you can't you can't have dual sovereignty. It doesn't exist. So Russia would say the central authority is sovereign, not the states. Whereas others would say the states are sovereign because they created the central authority. So they had the final say in everything. He also says this. We commit a similar mistake in our ideas of the word independent. No individual state as such has any claim to independence. She is independent only in a union with her sister states in Congress. So this is a problem. We use this word independent. These states aren't independent. They're only there because of Congress. Now, again, this is this Pennsylvania nationalism that was so important in that period of time. James Wilson was part of this. Governor Morris was part of this. Governor, you could say. But Morris, Wilson, Rush, Robert Morris, all these Pennsylvanians were in this nationalist mindset. And that's probably because, I mean, Pennsylvania was a dominant state. And they didn't like other states having a, a, a role here. But now here's where he gets an education, this next paragraph. He says, to conform the principles, morals, and manners of our citizens to our republican forms of government, it is absolutely necessary that knowledge of every kind should be disseminated through every part of the United States. Now, what conservative wouldn't agree with that today? To make sure that our republican forms of government are maintained, we have to make sure that everybody in the United States is well-educated. How often do you hear this? People aren't getting a proper education. People aren't understanding these things. There's no Americans don't get educated properly. And when you think about people that go into homeschooling or other things, one of the things they focus on more than anything else is civics and history. They don't think that people are learning the proper civics and history. Well, I would tell you that government schools are doing exactly what they're designed to do in history and, and civics because they're creating more Lincolnian nationalists. That's the whole point. So if you are going to go into these areas, this is something you're bucking against. This is by design that government education does these exact things. Benjamin Rush lays it out. He says, for this purpose, let Congress, instead of laying out a half a million dollars and building a federal town, 
appropriate only a fourth of that sum in founding a federal university. In this university, let everything connected with government, such as history, the law of nature and nations, the civil law, the municipal laws of our country, the principles of commerce, be taught by competent professors. Let masters be employed likewise to teach gunnery, fortification, and everything connected with defensive and, off and offensive war. Above all, let a professor of what is called in the European universities economy be established in this federal seminary. His business should be to unfold the principles and practice of agriculture and manufacturers of all kind, and to enable him to make his lectures more extensively useful, Congress should support a traveling correspondent for him, who should visit all the nations of Europe and transmit to him from time to time all the discoveries and improvements that are made in agriculture and manufacturers. To this seminary, young men should be encouraged to repair after completing their academic studies in the colleges of the respective states. The honors and officers of the United States should, after a while, be confined to persons who have been imbibed federal and Republican ideas in this university. Think of what Rush just said here. Okay, so you're going to be taught everywhere. In fact, Benjamin Rush helped found a university in Pennsylvania. But think about what he just said here. After you go to these universities, then you should go to the national university where you should get all this indoctrination and economy and government. You should learn the arts of nationalism. You should learn to be a good American based on these good American things of top-down centralized control. The states aren't sovereign. The states aren't independent. The people aren't sovereign. None of that. We're going to learn that the government is the most important thing in America. Who would have agreed with this? Well, of course, Abraham Lincoln. Who would have agreed with this? Well, Bellamy. Edward Bellamy, who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. Who would have agreed with this? Well, all the progressives in the early 20th century. What they've done, though, we don't have the central, we don't have where everybody goes to graduate. What they've done is they've just put this into every university and college in America and all through K through 12 programs. They've done it in a way that in some ways is much more impressive because they didn't just have one place. They did it everywhere. They took everything over. And so if you try to teach the other thing, nobody learns St. George Tucker or Abel Upshur. If you talk about these ideas of the, of the compact fact of the Constitution, you're called a radical. It's a compact theory, not a compact fact. So, I mean, if that's the case, you're just a nut. Nobody's taught these things. Everyone's taught that Lee and Davis were traitors. That's what they're taught in all of your education institutions in America. It's doing the job it's intended to do, which is create all these little sheep and sycophants and mindless drones who go out and regurgitate Lincolnian nationalist nonsense, the righteous cause myth. All these people you find on social media that just spout this stuff, they're all just drones. And of course, they say that you, if you don't believe these things, are stupid. You don't know anything. You're not educated. You don't know this stuff. You see, I've been to school. I learned these things. And I learned these things because people, the right people, told me these things. So, we've created that entire environment. We've done exactly what Benjamin Rush wanted to do in 1787 without having the National University, which, of course, John Quincy Adams wanted. He, he proposed it when he was president was rejected because it's unconstitutional. But it doesn't matter. We've gotten it through the Department of Education. 
which is also unconstitutional, but that's, that's what's happened over time. And how else would you do this? Listen to what he says next, which I find interesting. For the purpose of diffusing knowledge, as well as extending the living principle of government to every part of the United States, every state, city, county, village, and township in the Union should be tied together by means of the post office. I mean, that's amazing. So this is for diffusing knowledge as well as extending the living principle of government. The living principle of government. We're going to do it to everywhere in America because of the post office. This is the true non-electric wire of government. It is the only means of conveying heat and light to every individual in the federal commonwealth. Sweden lost her liberties, says the Abbey Rhinell, because her citizens were so scattered that they had no means of acting in concert with each other. It should be a constant injunction to the postmasters to convey newspapers free of all charge for postage. They are not only the vehicles of knowledge and intelligence, but the sentinels of the liberties of our country. Now, of course, newspapers would like to say they're the same thing today, but we know they're just propaganda. What Rush is proposing here is to distribute propaganda. Newspapers, even in the 1787, were propaganda. They were written with a political eye. They were written to help influence people in one direction or another. We have this now. It's called the Internet. But you see, the Internet works both ways because in the Internet you can find this podcast or people that think like me, and you can have other stuff to learn and listen to besides stuff like what Benjamin Rush would say. Now, uh, I want to read the last uh, the last little bit here because this is, he wraps up. He says, Our own citizens act a still more absurd part when they cry out after the experience of three or four years that we are not proper materials for Republican government. Remember, we assume these forms of government in a hurry before we were prepared for them. Let every man exert himself in promoting virtue and knowledge in our country, and we shall soon become good Republicans. Look at the steps by which governments have been changed or rendered stable in Europe. Read the history of Great Britain. Her boasted government has risen out of wars and rebellions that lasted above 600 years. The United States are traveling peaceably into order and good government. They know no strife of what arises from the collision of opinions and in three years, they have advanced further on the road to stability and happiness than most of the nations in Europe have done in as many centuries. But, you know, the problem is we just don't have people educated enough. And think, I mean, the left says this all the time. It's, they say it on the right, but the left, we need to get more people educated. They just need to know. They need to know what these things are all about. They just educated. They just follow the science. They just do these things. They were just, instead of these dumb hicks out there that don't know anything, these hayseeds that believe in these all, I mean, this this is, the problem is we don't, we don't reach them enough. They reach them all the time. Some people just reject the message because it's not right. They don't believe it. It's not accurate. Then he says there is but one part, one path that can lead the United States to destruction, and that is their extent of territory. It is probable to affect this that Great Britain ceded to us much wasteland. But even this path may be avoided. Let but one new state be exposed to sale at a time, and let the land office be shut up till every part of this new state be settled. He says, I am extremely sorry to find a passion for retirement so universal among the patriots and heroes of the war. They resemble skillful mariners who, after 
exerting themselves to preserve a ship from sinking in a storm in the middle of the ocean, drop asleep as soon as the waves subside and leave the care of their lives and property during the remainder of the voyage to sailors without knowledge or experience. Every man in a republic is public property. His time and talents, his youth, his manhood, his old age, nay, more, his life, his all belong to his country. Look at what Rush just said there. Every man in a republic is public property. You are public property. And because you're a public property, then the education has to fall on the state and you have to learn the good state stuff. And everything you have, your whole life, belong to your country. Now, this goes back to Rome. I mean, the Romans thought of this too. These are republicans. This is Republican sense of duty. George Washington thought, I mean, you, in a republic, you have these, these civic duties that you have to do. You belong to those things. Russia is saying we all belong to the federal republic, or, and more importantly, a republic, a singular republic for Rush. Patriots of 1774, 1775, 1776, and heroes of 78, 79, and 80 come forward. Your country demands your services. Philosophers and friends of mankind, come forward. Your country demands your studies and speculations. Lovers of peace and order who decline taking part in the late war, come forward. Your country forgives your timidity and demands your influence and advice. Hear her proclaiming and sighs and groans in her governments, in her finances, in her trade, in her manufacturers, in her morals and her manners. The revolution is not over. That's how he concluded it. Big, bold levers, letters. The revolution is not over. Now, could you not see the left doing the exact same thing now? The revolution is not over. It wasn't over. We got to the 1860s. It's not over. You open the Pandora's box. The revolution must continue. You could see the French saying this exact same thing. The revolution is not over. The war is over, but the revolution is just begun. And that's exactly what Benjamin Rush was, was proposing here with this centralization of education in the United States to ensure the proper view of the revolution is carried forward. That's what American education does today, and it's why people are bucking that and trying to find their own way around. The education system is working exactly the way the state wants it to. It's just that they don't like it that some people are rejecting that. All right. I'll see you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.